Welcome to the Daily Blues Podcast, giving you the best blues content from across all of our 101 ESPN platforms. And welcome to our number two, The Bernie Show. It's kind of drain, drain, uh, rainy and dreary out there, so I was trying to combine both words. I'm talking so fast today that I'm I'm just sort of making up a bunch of words that don't exist. I don't know how, because I'm combining words. Now, probably not a good way to go. Chris Kerber will bring some... Uh, proper enunciation and uh, grammar uh, and descriptive phrases to the conversation now. A professional broadcaster, Chris Kerber, of course, Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN. It's time to visit the Blues booth. What's going on, Kerbs? Well, if you're looking at me for that one, uh, we're both in a little bit of trouble. Well, it's uh, the Blues had (laughs) one. It it was a hell of a weekend for St. Louis sports, and I don't want to overlook, you know, with all of the the jubilation over the Battlehawks, and that was a great event. But I don't certainly don't want to overlook the Stanley Cup champions getting it back in gear. And those two, uh, those two wins over the weekend, five one in Dallas, four one last night at Minnesota. Um, statement games or just reassuring games to let everyone know we know what we're doing. Everybody relax. We're we're going to be fine. What do you think? You know what? I I think a little bit of both. Uh, I had one player. I got in the elevator after the game in Dallas and. And I looked at one player and said, that was a heck of a game. And the player looked at me and said, that's the kind of game that tells the rest of the league to look out. And I thought, well, that's a cool statement. And then, uh, you know, and then and then I think, you know, the way they played in Minnesota is the reassurance part of it. Uh, they followed it up again. Minnesota really came out on fire. I mean, they, they came out hard. They came out pushing. They, they, they did a terrific job. Jordan Bennington was really good at the beginning of the game. He was good all game, but he was really good at the beginning of the game until the Blues were able to break through. And, you know, uh, you're probably, if you're Minnesota, you're going, I don't know if we could have started any better than we did. You know, and then the Blues end up scoring first. So um, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think they're really seeing the attention to detail again. This team knows kind of what's at stake as you're starting to get into the final 20 games and 19 to go. And uh, I think it's been and, – and I'm not surprised. I think you and I talked about it last week. And we wouldn't be surprised if the team goes on, uh, you know, a win streak of four or five games after the way they were playing in Nashville. Chris Carver with us here uh, in the Blues booth, 101 ESPN. Let's talk about today's trade deadline, but let's go back to last week when the Blues and Doug Armstrong acquired Marco Scandella from Montreal, the left-handed defenseman. And on paper and based on all the times that you watched him and a lot of people watched him, he seemed like a really good fit for what they needed. And his first three games have done nothing to dispel that notion. How impressed have you been by Marco? Well, Sergio Lomeso texted me after the trade. And, and Marco is Sergio Lomeso's nephew. It's his sister's son. And after the trade from Buffalo to Montreal, Sergio is the – uh, one of the radio analysts for the Montreal Canadiens. So Sergio said, you guys are going to love this kid. He's actually had a really good season. He's just been on a couple of teams where things have struggled, but he's been fantastic on the penalty kill, and he's he really had a very good season. And I think we are seeing exactly what he said. You know, the, the scouting report, you know, from some folks in Minnesota, when you reach out to them, was that uh, a good shot, you're not afraid to jump in the play, sometimes you might do it a little bit too much. You know, but but a very solid defender, and we're seeing exactly what what they said on that. And you mentioned the, the important part, and it, it, it's something that you know we don't talk about it enough when we're breaking down the game of hockey, Bernie. 
is the left-handed shot, the right-handed shot thing. And we do it plenty in baseball. Everybody knows whether a guy hits from the left side or the right side of the plate or pitches left, pitches right, throws left, throws right. It's not talked about enough in, in hockey, but it is a, it's, it's just as critical of a thing. The, the, the Blues have gone out. They don't need another right-handed shot defenseman. That's why they're into. That's why they've been trying to put Justin Falk on the left side. That's you know calling him playing his offside. They needed a left-handed shot defenseman. And you go back to last week. There was a run on a couple of defensemen that get traded. You know, and and all of a sudden, I think the Blues jumped in. They were able to grab Scandella. Now you saw Edmonton what last night uh, getting Green from Detroit. You know, and so there's been a pretty good run on defensemen here to open up kind of a trade period. And, uh, and the Blues getting a left-handed shot defenseman that they could put on that side to fill in where Jay Bollmeister was, I think, was absolutely huge. And, and it's kind of calmed things down for the Blues defensively. Our guy Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN. And I, I talked about this uh, about a half an hour ago, uh, Kerbs. You know, Doug Armstrong indicated there, you know, the Scandella move probably would be it, or at least, you know, he didn't rule anything out. But if you're looking at this uh, – with if Tarasenko's back, we've talked about this a lot. If he's back before the playoffs, then his money comes off the uh, the long term injured list, and and, right. and it counts against her cap. So financially, it would be a very very tight fit. Uh, almost, I wouldn't say impossible, but it would be very tough. But the other factor here is since Craig Berube had the heart to heart with uh, Jordan Cairo, Jordan Cairo's responded beautifully. He's playing really well. I got to think that would somehow influence what Doug Armstrong's thinking. Well, I think Zach Sanford and Jordan Cairo have made the decision making a little bit harder for Doug Armstrong. But I do think that if Doug's MO in this case he filled in a pretty big need, he's looking at Vladimir Tarasenko as that trade deadline acquisition, as that player you're going to get back. And you know, if there's a depth piece to be added, I, I could see him doing it. You know, but you're right. If, if Vladimir Tarasenko and NBC said on the broadcast, now I haven't been told any specific time for him. NBC on the broadcast last night said a couple weeks out, which puts us right into the middle of March. So right, right about that time frame that we all would anticipate that reevaluation to have happened. And he did travel with the team to practice with the team on this road trip. That, you know, that is a heck of an acquisition. To get put Vladimir Tarasenko in the lineup, a player you haven't had since October, would be huge. You know, and then that, that shifts your lineup down. Everybody goes down. And, and, you know, when you think of slotting, which is what they'll talk about in the National Hockey League, if Vladimir Tarasenko, if, if Zach Sanford stays where he is, if Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, goes goes on, you know, a, a second line or a first line somewhere, then it's going to drop one guy down the line. And you see how that depth gets impacted. And uh, so I, I could very easily see Doug Armstrong saying we are close and pretty much the same team except Joel Edmondson and Pat Maroon. Looking at Sanford filling the role of Maroon, looking at, at Scandella, now filling the role of, of Bo Meester and Edmondson in, in that slot. And, and I, could, I could pretty much see Doug Armstrong saying I'm giving this, this group another chance to go and run at it and then, and then figure it out from there. And so, yeah, I'm not – I'm not anticipating much, I, you know, and and we just have to wait and see how the rest of the game pans out if something pops up that intrigues Doug. But I think he likes the way this team is playing right now. Um, what's your read on Colorado? I mean, I, I you know, I'm reading Sportsnet, I'm reading the Athletic, I'm reading everything, ESPN, Greg Wasinski, and a lot of people think Colorado's got a big move, uh, maybe two in them. Um, you, you, would you be surprised if they don't? strike for something, a goaltender or something big today? Yeah, Colorado's an interesting one because 
They've suffered two key injuries recently to a goaltender and then to Rantanen up front, uh, which now the other thing that Colorado has, and this is why everybody writes about them, and this is why this is why they become kind of a key focus, and and maybe some of the national guys are getting some work from Joe Sackett too. I have no idea on that one. But if you just look at the scenario, they've got cap space. Because of that Matt Duchesne trade, where they took in a haul in that three-team trade between Nashville, Colorado, and Ottawa, and then Ottawa sneaking up the joint so bad that all of a sudden the first-round pick that they got ends up being a high first-round pick. Colorado has cap space, and they have assets. You know, and they're just going to have to determine kind of where they are. They're, they're a good team. They're a fast team. They're a physical team. Bringing in Ian Cole last year, I think, was a terrific move on their part. Uh, and and so they're knocking on the door. Now, the one thing you got to be careful with is what do you have to give up? Don't mess too much with team chemistry. But that's why people are thinking that could be a great landing spot for a Henrik Lundqvist or a Chris Kreider for the New York Rangers. And in the Lundqvist scenario is a real interesting one. Lundqvist and Corey Crawford all of a sudden are high on people's list because there's been some goaltending injuries lately, especially in Carolina, as we saw that great story develop over the weekend. Uh, the Eric Lundqvist says he has a full mode trade clause, and I can't imagine why you want to continue to stay in a losing situation when you have a chance to go win a Stanley Cup right towards the end of your career. Go try and see if it's a Ray Bork moment. And I know other guys have done it, Shane Doan, but I wish Shane Doan would have left the Coyotes and gone for it. I think a career like his, he deserved that opportunity. He's in, and I think Eric Lundqvist has done enough for the New York Rangers. He's done enough for that market, you know, and I think he, he deserves it himself to be able to go and chase that, and I, and I hope he does. Now, you know, I don't necessarily want to see him go to Colorado and make that even tougher to get out of this division, but the reality of it is is because of cap space and assets, Colorado is probably more prone to strike than just about anybody. Chris Kerber, I always enjoy it, my man, and then tomorrow night back to work, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks come in, and we'll have the Mitsubishi Electric pregame show at 6 o'clock, followed by the BMW of West St. Louis pregame skate at 6.30. And then all the action here on 101 ESPN. The Blues set up for three in a row at home. So this ought to be fun, and we'll see what today brings. Thank you, my friend. Always appreciate you. Yeah, you got it. How cool is it that we continue to recognize the fans and, and what they're doing here in this time to put the Blues in the way possible? I know, and I didn't, even, I, I didn't even bring that up. All the things where I'm trying to cram in today, that one, yeah. that one has been uh, left on the table by me, which is kind of stupid. But, no, that'll be outstanding, and what a good choice. Blues at Wild. What a good choice. January 1st. I know the players will love it. Minnesota. This... Credit. And, 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 and Bernie, real quickly here, uh, sure. I credit the fans. It's the way the fans showed up for the Winter Classic a few years ago, the way they sold out the alumni game. It's the way the fans uh, activated around the All-Star festivities and setting records for fan fest. Um, it's, it, it, they, they continue to have just opened the eyes of the National Hockey League. It's the Centene Community Ice Center. And Gary Bettman standing there for that legacy project, and seeing all the all the young girls and young women out there that are that you know for the the news about how they're going to grow the sport for uh, for women and girls in town, and and it's all of that combined. And I know, but you, you give a ton of credit to obviously the product on the ice that Doug Armstrong has put, the business side that Tom Stillman and Chris Zimmerman have put, but the fans have to be a big part of this too. And it's the fans that are watching television with high ratings that NBC loves. It's the fans that are uh, that are traveling. I mean, you hear "Let's go, chant, let's go, Blues!" Chants are huge in Dallas. You heard them again last night in Minnesota, and it's because of all that. So I think you, you, you give a good stick tap to, to St. Louis sports fans once again, because it's because I think of their.
reaction that the league is putting the Blues in these positions. Very well said, and I'm, you had my back by bringing that up. So I appreciate that too, Curbs. We'll, uh, we'll, you got it. We'll talk next week. Have a good week. Okay, thanks, Bernie. That's thanks, Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. I am really glad. I mean that, that he brought it up. This is the Daily Blues Podcast. All of the 101 ESPN Blues content in podcast form. With Alex Ferrario, <laughs> Michelle Smallman, and Anthony Salter, Blues have now won four straight games following their victory yesterday or last night in Minnesota. Joining us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk about all things blue. <laughs> this is Jamie Rivers. What's, what's up, Jamie? <laughs> How we doing, guys? Good. Uh, so, Jamie, I thought that – I just made the comment that I thought that Jordan Bennington played better yesterday than he did in the two shutouts. And just to simplify it, not only the amount of shots that he saw, the high-danger shots that he saw, but, of course, we talk more about the shutouts. Did you view it the same way? Yeah, I mean, there's a fine line there because – yeah, he, he played better. Certainly he played fantastic. There's nothing negative to say about it. I mean, even the goal that went in was kind of crazy. It hits him, goes all the way up in the air, comes back down, falls on the other side of him. I mean, those things happen from time to time, but that's not really error of Jordan Bennington. But the hard thing, too, Stoltz, is when you're in those games where there's very few shots, you know, the 15 to 20 range, those goalies don't really find a groove. And so the, the, the breakaways or the odd number chances that come up, even if it's one or maybe even two in the entire game, those are harder for the goalies to settle in and make those saves because they don't have a rhythm at all in that game. They haven't faced a lot of shots. They haven't been moving around. They haven't been really watching, tracking the puck. And then you get bang, all of a sudden there's a breakaway. That's hard on a goalie. And, and I know from a long time ago playing in Detroit when we had you know some of the most elite goalies, but even they would struggle with, you know, 15 shots on net. They'd rather see 25 shots and even 30 shots in a game uh, to get a rhythm. But to your point, Jordan Bennington has been great here in this little stretch, and so has Jake Allen. These guys are, you know, coming back into form, to which, quite honestly, I never doubted either of them. I never thought it would be a long-term thing. I thought that they were there were some unlucky goals that were going in on the blues as a whole and certainly on the goaltenders during that little stretch but they look like they're they're buckled back down they look like they're confident and jordan bennington was fantastic last night like i said just a fluky kind of thing that went in over his shoulder uh but yeah apart from that he was really really solid Jamie, another guy who's been unbelievable during this stretch is Marco Scandella. I cannot believe he's only been with this team, what, three games? It feels like he's been here all season. His transition to this Blues team has really been seamless, and it seems like this is another one of those moves that we're going to look back on and say, man, Doug Armstrong got it right again. Yeah, he really did. You know, And at the time of the trade, that Brendan Dillon's name from San Jose kept coming up, kept coming up all the time, and – whether Doug had backed away from that deal or whether the Sharks decided just rather do business with Washington, Brendan Dillon kind of came off the board. But you have to wonder if maybe Doug Armstrong backed away out of that deal thinking that Marcos Gandela was the better pickup long term. And when you watch him jump in, and we talked about this after his first game, I mean, you don't, there's not one thing that would indicate that this guy is brand new to the team. Nothing. The way he plays with Pareko, the way he joins the attack, the way he supports the puck in the offensive zone, heck, the way he talks with such, you know, he's so comfortable in the room. He talks to his teammates, and he does, like, this guy just seems like he's been here for a long time. And, you know, it, you never can tell 
100% as a general manager or even a head coach, when you bring in a guy, how he's going to mesh with your locker room. And in St. Louis, or especially with this Blues team, we know that the culture has been very, very important over the last year, year and a half. And now to bring in a guy that, that fits in so well and that guys are really enjoying having him around and love the way he communicates, uh, that part alone, never mind his play on the ice, has made this a fantastic trade for the Blues. And you got to think, he's only going to continue to get even better which uh, that, that bodes well as well for the St. Louis Blues. Ribs, uh, I know you guys played the Craig Berube postgame audio Thursday after that victory and where he said Jordan Cairo played possibly one of his best NHL games. Um, and then you string together two more games where he, pay, he played possibly his best NHL games. The one on Friday night where he picks up a goal and an assist and then, of course, the goal that he scored uh, last night. Is the confidence right now just continuing to grow for this guy and, and you kind of have to give an appreciation to Craig Berube don't you for having that patience with Jordan Cairo yeah you know he had the patience but he's also stern he was like a good parent on this one because you know he's got a young kid who's got all this talent who's had success at every level and he comes up to the NHL and like uh, like Chief had said you know the NHL is a tough league there's a lot of really good players you got to respect the game you got to respect the opponent and you got to respect the hard work that it takes to be successful. And, you know, Jordan Cairo has come out and played really, really well. I think that every single game he's showing greater strides. He's more confident with the puck. We're seeing firsthand now how, you know, how effective his speed can be in a hockey game. Whereas I think before, maybe he wasn't putting himself in positions that were, I guess, the best to showcase his talents. Now he's getting there. And you know what? He's back in the defensive zone. If you look at his goal last night, he starts in the defensive zone. They make a play. He joins the attack, and he's the one that goes screaming up the ice to pick up a rebound. I, I mean, that's a 200-foot goal, essentially. And I think that's what Craig Berube really wants to see out of this guy is, look, if you can play the game that way, we know we're going to get flashes of, of fantastic from you. He's a dynamic player. He's a special talent. But we need to see it from one end to the other. And then when, the, when the, the easy ones come, we'll take those. But right now, he's got to prove to his teammates and to his coach that he's evolving every single day as a player. Jamie Rivers joining us right now here on Stolzer and Rivers on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I know that I asked you this last week. After four straight wins now, I imagine that your answer hasn't changed. But Doug Armstrong, is his decision easy at the deadline, said Pat? Stand Pat? Uh, yeah, I think Army's probably got his feet kicked up, maybe enjoying <laughs> a whiskey on the rocks right now. Nice. Um, Really, I mean, look, Chris Kreider's off the board. He just re-signed with the Rangers. So all the rumors of that and all the people that were foaming at the mouth for that trade, well, it ain't happening now. So in my opinion, if Doug was to make a move of any kind, it would be a very depth move. Just acquire a guy that could possibly be, you know, up in the NHL or in the minors, but a safety valve, I guess, at that. But anything else to me wouldn't make any sense, especially the way they're playing right now. And Doug's always said, the team will tell me what I need to do. And right now they just put together four wins in a row. So I think they're telling him that uh, just enjoy that whiskey, Doug. Rivs, uh, other teams right now at this trade deadline. We saw Colorado make a move for Nemesnikov this afternoon. Of course, Nashville, Winnipeg are kind of standing around waiting to see what's going to happen. In terms of impactful trades, who in the West do you think could make one that could change things up? Well, here's the way I view it, okay? And let me put it this way. is Sometimes when you're active at the deadline, there's two ways of looking at it. There's the, the media side 
where we all look at and go, wow, that's a team that's going for it, right? Like they're going for it. To me, as a player inside that room, I look at it as, eh, maybe we're a little bit in panic mode because we thought we were good, but now we're making all sorts of trades. Like, maybe we're not that good. And then when those players come in, if you don't have immediate success, sometimes you wonder right away, did we make the right deal? Did this mess up? And the GM and the coach start questioning it. I think it's a real slippery slope when you start making more than one trade or a big trade that you think is going to put you over the top. Very seldom in NHL history has that big, huge deal gone positively in the first year. We've seen it work to where the following year or years after that, guys find their groove. But you got to be very, very careful. So, you know, Colorado Avalanche making some noise, and there's still a lot of rumors flying around that there could be some more moves for the Vegas Golden Knights. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with what the Blues have right now. I don't like panic moves. I don't like trades just to make trades, just to make noise. To me, sometimes it just causes more chaos than anything. Jamie, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. You got it, guys. Take care, man. This has been the Daily Blues Podcast. Check back tomorrow for more Blues coverage right here on 101ESPN.com.